breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze TV Podcast Network. Hope you guys all had a uh, wonderful week. It is great to be back with you again in podcast land. Uh, If you're new, welcome. I hope you find uh, a voice of reason, a voice of patriotism, a voice of love and passion for the United States, for Western freedoms and liberty. A voice that believes it is up to Muslims to repair the Muslim problems. And I'm here to do that. And this podcast is one pebble that generates ripples in the ponds of security, of freedom, and of liberty in the Muslim consciousness, and hopefully all over the world. You know, this week did not disappoint. Did not disappoint. Boys and girls, did you learn a little bit about anti-Semitism this week? Just a little, maybe. Maybe, I don't know. It seems like the Democrats could not get their... Could not get their... You know what? Straight. And all after all is said and done, initially they were going to look at the resolution to uh, that the intent was to rebuke Congresswoman Ilhan Omar for her obviously rank and rancid anti-Semitism. But somehow it didn't have her name in it. Oh, but yet that wait, that wasn't good enough for the red green axis in Congress, the socialist Islamist axis of AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and the other far lefties, Bernie Sanders, etc. No, they needed to add a ton of other things, you know, make sure the uh, fans of certain football teams aren't upset, uh, uh, and uh, every other identity group. And sure enough, you had paragraph after paragraph talking about not only anti-Semitism, but Islamophobia bigotry against Muslims that exists. Actually, one small victory. I don't think the word Islamophobia is in there. I might have missed it. I read it. It was seven pages. But they did talk about firebombing of mosques and other hate crimes that have obviously happened to a number of different identity communities in America. But that's not what this resolution was supposed to be about. The infantilization of Ilhan Omar continues, and by extension, the infantilization, the bigotry of low expectations against Muslims continues. Because when you treat now a high profile because of social media Muslim in a way that's like the way you treat your four-year-old, you end up treating an entire community that way. And we see through some of the the manifestations of, of what they did with what happened this week, her and her care council on American Islamic relations colleagues and the theopolitical movement of Islamists that uh, surround her and surround Rashida Tlaib were taking victory laps. They're fundraising with other Islamists' constituents. Remember, care is basically the representatives of Hamas in the halls of Congress. Care is the progenitors of anti-Semitism when it comes to 
the Muslim communities that listen to them and give them any respect. They are part of the root cause of radicalization of anti-Semitism in many of the Muslim communities in America because they are the fruit of the tree that was the Islamism of the Muslim Student Association, the Islamic Society of North America, and other Islamist groups funded by the Saudis, funded by the Gulf states for decades. Now, that relationship changed over the last few years, but bottom line is, is those trees were planted. Now we see the Al Jazeera crowd. We saw Mahdi Hassan, one of the commentators now for The Intercept, which might... Not only is it uh, a leftist outfit, but uh, has folks like Glenn Greenwald, uh, who did the information dump on Snowden and other traitors that are now living abroad that I think Greenwald's living in Brazil, never found a cause that Hamas didn't do that he didn't think they were the victim for, and has raised money and advertised for care repeatedly. But Hassan, no less than two hours, no less than two hours after the resolution supposedly that together, as the Democrats said, was passed, he's tweeting about Megan McCain on The View, her crocodile tears of sadness about anti-Semitism, and he ridiculed another panelist that was Jewish and basically said she was acting like the token Jew in this tweet. And then he also, Mahdi Hassan, said that that was rich coming from the daughter of John McCain who laughed about bomb Iran, bomb Iran, bomb, bomb, bomb Iran. So this is somehow appropriate, and it's the reason I'm mentioning it to you is not how disgusting it is, but because Ilhan Omar retweeted it two hours later. So Ilhan Omar's thought leaders that she loves to express are Al Jazeera wackos that are leading Muslim Brotherhood fonts globally that write for leftist magazines that spread and release traitorous information from people like Eric Snowden. I'm not Eric, but I'm Edward Snowden. So Let's go back to the infantilization of Muslims. What happens when you don't treat someone like an adult? Children get punished. And a few hours later, they go back to doing the same thing unless they feel they understand that there's repercussions. When you try to mature and treat your kids in a way in which they mature, they start to understand that the punishment meets the crime. When you treat them as basically useless kids who you don't respect, they can continue to commit and recommit the same things because they're just not afraid of any punishment. So, number one, infantilization of the community is a bigotry, a deep-seated bigotry that means that you can just sort of dismiss Muslims for whatever you wish. Second, it actually then ends up empowering them. And we saw the empowerment of the Islamists you know, Ezra Nomani, bless her heart, was just doing some great journalism. She went to Rashida Tlaib's office. This was covered on the Ingram Angle on, on Fox. And she went to Tlaib's office, 
wanted to basically as a journalist she's a journalist writes for the post has written uh, was a uh, reporter for the wall street journal as an author went to talk and sure enough in arabic linda sarsour starts talking to a previous care connecticut leader who i believe now works for csid another ikhwani muslim brotherhood outfit that does work in tunisia and elsewhere so she tries to get in and she's basically obstructed by a bouncer. A care bouncer who basically shows on video dismissive. She's filed a complaint with the Capitol Hill police. But this is what happens to Muslim women inside the community. She was treated and spoken about in Arabic. They assume she wouldn't know what she was talking, what what they were saying because she's not of Arabic origin. She's an Indian American. So they assumed that she would not understand and they treated her as the Islamists do as second and third class citizens. It's very revealing. This is what we're up against. You, the, you, thank you. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. You are empowering. You had your derriere handed to you by the Islamists and now you've empowered their hate, their bigotry, as they take a victory lap, as CARE, as Ilhan Omar, as AOC now are sending out fundraising letters talking about how proud they are of the resolution that was passed. How proud they are. The person it was supposed to criticize, so point number three, I don't know if any of you read Harry Potter, but there was Lord Voldemort, right? The one who shall not be named, Lord Voldemort. Do not name him. That was the character that couldn't be spoken about. So they passed this resolution. She wasn't named. She went in and proudly voted for it. When the person you're trying to punish votes for the resolution you released, it is not targeting them. When the person you publish now, David Duke, is repeatedly tweeting out as being the courageous member of Congress that showed the Israeli lobby that they have met their match, this is not a punishment. When Tehran Times, one of the media outlets of the Khamenists, revolting death to Israel radicals, are talking about the two most courageous Congress women ever as being their heroes as it was published two days ago this is not a successful repudiation of anti-semitism the most anti-semitic government on the planet applauded what happened this week in congress and speaker pelosi thinks somehow she led so ladies and gentlemen on the one hand the antiseptic of sunlight that's coming upon Omar is exposing how radical the Democrats really are and the left, exposing how their take on anti-Semitism has opened a space that nobody knew existed. I mean, Keith Ellison had the seat that Ilhan Omar fills now, and he said, oh, she'd be a great congressman, congresswoman, and she'd be such a, a refreshing change as he ascended to 
the attorney general of Minnesota, how he ascended there without even a, a valid license to practice law, I don't know. Not to mention his accusations of domestic violence and other things. But at the end of the day, that guy who was Farrakhan's spokesman for 10 years when he was in office didn't cause the tumult of craziness that Ilhan Omar has caused. Why? Because he was a little more savvy about what to say in his dissimulation or his taqiyyah. I guess she didn't go to that school. And in many ways, we were disserved by not knowing the reality of the ideas. Now, I'm old enough to remember 2011, just eight years ago, when Keith Ellison imposed himself onto a hearing that Congressman Pete King, Homeland Security, had in which four of us, I'm sorry, three Muslims, and then the Democratic witness was uh, Sheriff Baca, an apologist from the L.A. County. But I remember when we went to testify as Muslims that there needs to be reform, there needs to be counter-Islamism, and homeland security is not about countering violent extremism, that that was not how you were going to keep America safe. And that was eight years ago. Eight years ago. And oh, before we could testify, Keith Ellison had to sit down and give his cry me a river tears about how tough it is for him to have a daughter with a hijab and that all of us who question the ideologies of imams and have questions about the root causes of radicalization are going to be responsible for hate crimes. And that if we're going to talk about radicalism coming from the Muslim communities, then we need to talk about the white communities and the and the gang communities and the Italian communities and others. And nobody, did, nobody denied that there were other communities. But if you're going to solve radical Islamism, only Muslims can solve that. Now, he would deny that. He thinks it's just simply psychiatric issue. But that was the debate we had. Look it up. It's in my book, A Battle for the Soul of Islam. It's testimonies on the web and elsewhere. Those were the Muslim radicalization hearings of 2011. Then we testified again in 2012 and 2014. I think some progress was made. But again, they attempted to water down, the Democrats attempted to water down an approach for sound national security commentary and policymaking not from an anti-Muslim perspective, but anti-Islamist. So if you're fighting a certain ideology that's militant, it is important to talk about the nonviolent precursors of that ideology. But they wanted to water it down to everything else. And let's look at this resolution. We learned nothing. Thank God, back in 11... It was a Republican-run Congress, so Chairman King was able to direct hearings, as did Chairman Perry and others that I testified to. Testified to Senator Cruz's hearings on why the Muslim Brotherhood should be declared, in many of its global permutations, a terrorist organization. But no, the Democrats now, within a month and a half or three months of running Congress, 
couldn't get one resolution against anti-Semitism rebuke of Congresswoman Ilhan Omar done right. They expanded the final resolution to condemn basically all forms of bigotry, white supremacy, LGBT crimes. Every community in the kitchen sink was thrown into that, and that was not the intent. There's tons of the... Do you really think that... And I like calling it the Lord Voldemort resolution because she didn't wasn't named. The one who shall not be named. So do you think this... That America needed a little bedtime story of a resolution about some anonymous bigots that might need a list of all the vulnerable groups. So, so on the one hand, not naming Ilhan Omar treats Muslims not as adults and equals who need tough love, but as children and infants who will continue to act again as if she represents all Muslims. Gross. She's a radical Islamist who's being propped up because of an identity politic. Second, by lifting this up, the left and watering it down is basically telling the world that they're a bunch of idiots. That somehow America needed to be told all of this. That that the radical anti-Semitism lauded by David Duke and Tehran and others triggered a response in which America passed a resolution in its house that somehow it needed a lesson on all the groups that deserve to be protected. If that doesn't say Pelosi and others are dumb, I don't know what does. And let's look at what else they said. Jim Clyburn whip, my majority whip Jim Clyburn, respected on some things made the most idiotic statement I could think. I mean, it basically, he started dabbling in Holocaust denial. He basically tried to compare, and he said, you know, listen, he doesn't get it. People should understand where, where Ilhan Omar is coming from. She's a Somali refugee. Her family escaped Somalia, and they, they have a rich history of understanding and feeling directly the pain of oppression. While, you know, the Jewish community, most of the parents aren't even around anymore. It's sort of memories to them. So this moral equivalency crap needs to end. It's insulting. Second, this is basically starting to dabble in Holocaust minimization. Not denial, but minimization. It's too far removed. It doesn't matter. And I, as a Muslim, listen, we had in Syria in the last few years, and still going on, sometimes fast-moving and sometimes slow-moving genocide happening against the Sunnis. And yet, I never, I talked and thanked the Jewish community for invoking never again, talking about the fact that what Assad and ISIS were doing, but mostly Assad, when you look at numbers, against the Sunnis and against vulnerable populations, was genocide. And the numbers were over 600,000 dead. Now, yes, some of those were part of a war, but the vast majority were simply the slaughter of innocents by, by government military. 
thugs. But still, I never invoked comparisons to the Holocaust. Because there are Muslims dying in Yemen, there's Muslims dying in Afghanistan, uh, all over many Muslim-majority countries. There's 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, and half of them are fighting wars, and the other half are living under oppressive tyrannies. So to invoke the word genocide and compare it to the Holocaust when you have one faith community, one faith community that really has no mission for missionary work, that has 17, 18 million people max globally, lost over 6 million in the Holocaust, so one-third of its population. The proportions there are not, not even comparable to anything happening in Syria or elsewhere. Now, obviously the more crimes and crimes against humanity done by Assad, we, sometimes we talk about these things and the same conversation, but there's no juxtaposition. Yet Clyburn seemed to think so. Schakowsky, Congresswoman Schakowsky, then went on and said that because she has Somali origin, her culture is one in which we just don't understand that it, it's not anti-Semitic, it's just a way of looking and talking about things that's different than we do. What the heck was Schakowsky talking about? So if, if, if talking about Jews in a hateful, anti-Semitic way is part of Somali culture, where did that come from? Because if it didn't come from the theology, the theopolitical Islamism that they practice, I, I, do you think they in Somalia are worried about Israel? They're worried about Israeli policies affecting their freedom. Why did she become a refugee? Because of other Muslims. Because of the oppression of their regime. And by the way, Ilhan Omar this week was in Ethiopia, was in, was in Eritrea. She's taking pictures from government meetings in Eritrea. We don't know what the details are, how all of a sudden she's traveling to Eritrea. But she put one tweet out and saying she's going to live up to her goal for social justice and peace. I, I didn't see any criticism. She's supposed to be so strong to talk truth to power. And the only power she seems to want to talk to is our, our, our longtime closest ally in the Middle East that we equate to the friendship that we have with other democracies in NATO from the UK to France and others. But no, she goes to Eritrea. I don't see any tweets about the the the, the Benjamins or Rials coming from Saudi, coming from uh, other regimes that are feeding the tyranny that is decimating and enslaving the Somali population, the Eritrean population. I sat on the U.S. Commission on Religious Freedom for four years until I termed out, and Eritrea was listed as a CPC, a country of particular concern, for all the time I was there, and it's still there. Did she read that? We sent it to her. We tweeted it to her and said, here, here's the report. Tweet out about the government's evils. Let's see what she says about Eritrea. 
I looked through her tweets in the past if she's talked about the Somali regime and what it's done to her people. No, she just had a little session in which she sat in a bar or some some public place, some public joint in D.C. with Rashida Tlaib, and they went on nauseam on about the Palestinian cause and their inability to speak out, and all she was doing was just questioning who controls lobbies like she would the NRA or Big Pharma. And yet, she didn't get specific on policy. She just talked about Israel as a monolith, Jews as a monolith. And yet she claimed not to be a bigot. Ladies and gentlemen, she's a bigot. Islamists are bigoted. It's their worldview. They view everyone who's not an Islamist, even within the Muslim community. I had many tweets after I started criticizing Ilhan Omar for her anti-Semitism tweets against me that say, oh, you're not a Muslim. I'm like, oh, what, are you God? You're clearly, by that simple tweet, a radical Islamist. But that's what they say. That's the people that hang around Ilhan Omar. And then the 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 members of Congress, the 23 that voted against that resolution, bring out the left media. Boom, they start get whipping him about. These people must then endorse anti-Semitism because they couldn't even sign it. They must be the bigots of the Republican Party. Hats off to Andy Biggs and Paul Gosar, Liz Cheney, Jeff Duncan, Pete King, Greg Steuby, Michael Burgess. Hats off to them for making a statement that this resolution was supposed to be about rebuking Ilhan Omar. Does Congress really need a statement reminding them about not to be bigots? Republicans removed Steve King pretty swiftly from his committee assignments. Made him irrelevant. That's all the Democrats needed to do. But no, why Why wouldn't they? They want to pass a useless resolution that was even initially useless. It was just about anti-Semitism, but didn't name her, and now even became more useless. And let's not forget the anti-Semitic hate that she said. Connected all Jews to Benjamin's money, to APAC. Not about policy differences, but that they control Washington. Conspiracy theories. The dual allegiance uh, canard that continued to be brought up. And that somehow she had to give allegiance to that foreign country. The funny thing is when many of us talk about Islamism as being a legal system that is incompatible with being American ideologically, or when I talk about how Islamists join the jihad, and that unless you're fighting against that, and the sermons talk about being not only anti-radical terrorists, but anti-Islamists and pro-American, if you don't do that, then you're a separationist. You're a separatist. And if they're not doing that, that's a, a, a important radicalization process. I was told, oh, you're a bigot. This is Islamophobia that somehow, if they just disagree with policy, you are a bigot. And yet, they don't seem to get that when we're talking about Israel. And I think it's very different. I'm talking about ideas related to a legal system 
rooted in global movements of terrors, terrorists that have been pulling jihadis to serve with the ISIS. ISIS bride comes back. Who serves as her attorney? Oh, one of Rashida Tlaib's organization supporters that she raises money for. One of Ilhan Omar's organizational supporters that they raise money for at the CARE. Florida, the Council on American Islamic Relations, that's now doing a victory lap about how they showed they showed the powers that be the old gray-haired people that they say have been around forever. It's true, they have been around, but they certainly don't have a spine left anymore to fight against these fifth-grade mentality socialists and Islamists we should be ashamed ashamed but I think you've had a clinic there has been a clinic ladies and gentlemen in what it means to be anti-Semitic what the Jewish people have been through and what it means to pick out an Islamist when they start speaking what do they say that makes them obviously an Islamist. If they're constantly talking about being victims, you're an Islamist. If they're constantly using the word Islamophobia, you're an Islamist. Islam does not have rights, it's an idea. Human beings do, so there's bigotry against Muslims. Islamophobia is an idea. Islam is an idea. Phobia of an idea is complete hogwash. So basically, this week, the leftists, the progressivists, and the Islamists won. They showed the old guard in the Democratic Party who runs the show. The tail, ladies and gentlemen, is wagging the dog. They passed the Lord Voldemort resolution. And I keep thinking back to the same issues. Now, we ended up having full testimony and weathering the storm and talking about Islamism and how useless CVE, countering violent extremism, was, and yet Ellison and Carson and others, the other two Muslim members of Congress, now you have Carson still there, but now you've got Tlaib and Omar trying to do the exact same thing. This is insanity. Insanity is when you do the same thing over and expect different results. We are getting the same thing, which is, Ignoring the need to shift the focus when you talk to Muslims to engaging and believing in the recipe that is Americanism, to rejecting and reforming against, criticizing, critiquing, and dissecting the ideas of political Islam, dissecting the ideas that create jihadis in Minnesota that 40 of them that come from a couple mosques and the areas around them that wanted to go fight in the jihad with Al-Shabaab and ISIS and yet Ilhan Omar's narrative about Al-Shabaab was that it was American policy's fault. Her narrative about the ISIS terrorist that was convicted in Minnesota is that they should be have a lighter sentence because it really wasn't their fault. They were radicalized on the internet, yeah, like anybody's radicalized on the internet. Your brain's fertilized in your family and in your house and in your community. 
Somebody may throw a seed from the internet, but it won't grow unless you have a fertile soil from a separatist mindset in your own communities. I don't believe that's a majority of the Muslim communities, but certainly the ones that Ilhan Omar represents are separatists. They believe that America is at fault. I don't hear them talking about anything regarding what America really stands for, pride in what it means to be an American, pride in fighting against tyranny. When she talks about justice, it's only about Israel and the Palestinians. I don't hear her saying anything about justice for the Venezuelans that are in the streets and the millions. She actually defended Maduro. And people were greenwalled then in the intercept is showing her tweets about Saudi Arabia that, oh, she was so courageous in criticizing Saudi Arabia. She, she speaks truth to power. Well, uh, excuse me, for those of you that are you know new to this, her tweets on Saudi Arabia were from 2018 on. Nothing before. So wait, think about it. What happened in 2017? The Saudis stopped funding the Global Muslim Brotherhood operation. They stopped using their petro-Islamic dollars to fuel radical Islamism, and they decided to rein in the princes like bin Talal Walid, his, his Center for Muslim Christian Understanding in, in Washington, and rein in a lot of the mosque spending they had. So the Muslim Brotherhood, a.k.a. Qatar, and the party in Egypt, and all of their operatives that believe in their movements globally, like Mahdi Hassan and Al Jazeera that came to Omar's defense, all of these that she rounds herself with, you saw the care guys working, the, the Hamas wing of the Muslim Brotherhood, all of this now has become antagonists. They're at war. With a war declared between the Muslim Brotherhood and Saudi Arabia. So sure, Omar is going to have in 2018 tweets against Saudi Arabia because her influencers around her were doing the same thing, telling her now we're against the Saudis. Look what they did to Khashoggi, our, our guy. Where were they speaking about women's rights? Uh, Linda Sarsour was was actually comparing, was saying that uh, women in Saudi Arabia had more maternity leave rights than the West, that that uh, she was uh, using profane descriptions of Ayan Hirsi Ali because she was speaking out against FGM. So these women were no feminist activists about Saudi Arabia until the Saudis took on the Brotherhood. So listen, I am all for open public debate, freedom of speech, engagement in policies. But this identity politic has to stop. This exploitation and dehumanization of Muslims into children needs to stop. Because sometimes when you treat someone with... When you treat someone with a respect that engages them and you see some emotion in your disagreement that actually shows more respect 
than simply patronizing them, patting them on the head and saying, oh, it's okay. And then watch them say the same thing two hours again, two hours later, two hours later, again and again. How many times does she apologize and then hours later release comments and social media statements that were just abhorrent? And that trivializes who we are as Muslims because she ends up being the de facto representative of that. Well, I'm sure there'll be more where this came from, but remember, ladies and gentlemen, this country is the laboratory of freedom, and as as tough as things may seem, as tough as they may seem, we've known from Winston Churchill that this is the worst form of government, excluding all others. We hear people talking about the Corbynization of American democracy. Yeah. Jeremy Corbyn, a far-left socialist in Britain who ascended and is basically almost unapologetically pro-Hamas. Pretty radical in Britain. Is that happening here? I don't know. It may be. But on the other hand, we've seen the mobilization of Muslim reformers like Shireen Kadosi, Ezra Nomani. Kanta Ahmed, Rahil Raza. These are people speaking out as Muslims, rejecting everything Ilhan Omar says and believes that she says. Not about her faith, but about her politics, about her use and exploitation of her Muslim garb and identity in order to speak for all, when in fact she speaks for only the people that voted for her. And actually even many of them, I think, would be outraged and should start getting outraged. But yeah, I think the silver lining here is that people are starting to pay attention to the world that we anti-Islamists live in every day. We try to get a voice at the mosque. We try to get a voice in our communities, and we are shut out. It is always great to have you all. Thank you for joining me in the struggle for Muslim reform, for American security and patriotism, to keep our way of life the way it is, and then use the tools that God blessed us with here to fight them over there before they come over here. And if they're separatists here, fight them over here through the war of ideas before they make more here. Believe with them rather than with us as free-thinking believers in liberty, the American Constitution. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Find me on Twitter at Dr. Zudi Jasser, D-R-Z-U-H-D-I Jasser, or Reform This Radio, Reform This Radio. And also find our podcast, share it on iTunes, subscribe, subscribe on SoundCloud, and find us at blazetv.com backslash podcast. This is Zudi Jasser, Reform This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.